Hello everyone, welcome back to The Violet Vulture, or simply welcome if you're new here. Today I will be breaking this episode up into two parts. I'm going to do a little bit of an intro, a verbal breakdown of the Patreon tiers that I have created, and I'll be getting into the first installment of Tiger's Eye, the advice column style episode that is one of the rewards that I've offered within two of the Patreon tiers. So yeah, let's get into the details. So I have four tiers. I feel like, again, it's an audio podcast. I wish you all could see how I look like Stefan from SNL. (laughs) As I say, there are four tiers in this Patreon, but there are four tiers in this Patreon. The first up is The Harbinger. You know, sometimes dead is better. Judd Crandall, Pet Cemetery, 1989. This is perfect for those that want to chip in a little bit, really do want to give when, where they can. This is for folks that more so want early access, some BTS behind the scenes. I offer a voting power to everybody in this podcast, in this Patreon as well. You know, there's so many ideas that I have, so little time. So I figure it'll be really great to kind of build community around defining, shaping some of the podcast ideas that I have percolating. And yeah, great to get a little bit of extra sway with everything that I'm working on. So that's the Harbinger. So yeah, in case you haven't already picked up, the Patreon tiers are named after various horror archetypes within kind of horror slasher because of course I did and I'm very very pleased the second tier that I have available is the nerd there are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie Randy Scream the OG this is great for those that want to give a little bit more and This tier also offers a monthly patrons-only newsletter called Ajar. Ajar is a curation of wellness-y food, lifestyle, kind of other things that I'm kind of picking up on throughout the month that I'm like, oh, these are nuggets that I'd love to share that realistically, I don't know if I could spend a whole podcast episode talking about them, but really wanting to still create this roundup of what I'm reading, watching, listening to, using or consuming when it comes to wellness or things that I'm just straight up ditching. And I also offer tarot scopes for the month ahead. So those can be read for both your sun sign as well as your rising sign. At time of recording, I already have the cards for September's tarot scopes. So we're in the ground running over here. Uh, the jock is the third tier. You know, oh man, midnight, baseball bats and boogeymen. Beautiful. Glenn Lance, The Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. The jock is for people who want a little bit more, as I as I conceived of it in my brain. The thing that came to mind was put me in the game coach. So this is for people who want to be able to submit to Tiger's Eye. This episode is being split into two, talking about the Patreon tiers, and then we're going to dig right into Tiger's Eye. And it's all about contributing your tarot inquiries, questions, questions you have about horror, 
wellness, writing, art, creativity, spirituality, anything that's on your mind, death as well, being a death doula. So please, please ask me your questions. I love questions. I'm a projector in human design. So guiding people just feels so fulfilling. So please do send those my way. And the final girl is the final tier. I'm coming for you, Michael. Laurie Strode, Halloween Kills 2021. This is for folks that really want that extra layer of immersion into a community. This is perhaps the most like flushed out kind of community thing of all of the tiers. And that folks will get access to all of the previous tier benefits as well as monthly live sessions. So it will alternate where a live stream will be watching a horror movie together. So like a horror watch party and then a live Q&A hangout. The occasional like special guest will be with me that following month. So it'll be, it'll be alternating that way. So yeah, those are the tiers. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who has already joined and to those that sent their questions for Tiger's Eye. I really, really appreciate them. And I think they're just wonderful questions. So just so excited. And yeah, I I appreciate even the kind of verbal support because just even committing to a Patreon was a lot. It's not even so much about the doing or fulfilling of the benefits, but yeah, there's like imposter syndrome as a creator when you kind of take the step. So I really appreciate everyone who helped kind of assuage that. I'm feeling a lot less of that overall and just having fun with it, which I think if you're not having fun, then what's the point? (laughs) So yeah, let's dig right in to the questions. So here's Tiger's Eye. So our first question, I can't hear my dad. He passed away two years ago. I used to dream with him and hear his messages everywhere. And in the past few months, we don't seem to be in the same wavelength. Is he gone, gone? What should I do to get his messages? Am I not listening well anymore? I don't see the signs at all. So first of all, I am sorry to hear that because I know it can be really distressing when we find a way to connect with loved ones once they've passed. And it seems as though that like river has gone dry, that there's just something that's a little bit off about it. And, you know, it was hard enough to get used to the loss itself, let alone this kind of new phase of, wait, what's happening now? I I lost them. I had this. What do I do now? So I really want to affirm that your feelings are valid in this moment. And these things do happen. I know that in my experience, a couple of things could be at play, depending on one spiritual system I may offer, if you're open, that it could be a matter of you having, there could be a lot going on with you personally, that it's making it harder for you to kind of pick up on the things around you. Something that I've held on to in any sort of like medium spiritual work is that the people who want to connect with you will do it in ways that will be frequent and obvious because they want you to detect it. So I think a layer of that is to be 
just a bit more aware, maybe even if you really isn't much of meditative practice that you've been keeping to, I think in, in implementing some mindfulness could be really good here for kind of instilling a channel for something to come through or at least increase your sensitivity to what that could look like. And I think it could be more a matter then of the channel isn't dried so much as it may have changed. I think refocusing our awareness could be helpful there. I don't think it's a matter of you not listening well either. If altar practices are a part of your spiritual system, then spending some time nurturing that could be really important. And I have to wonder too, because I I don't always love the advice some death workers offer to people where they say, oh, if you want to connect with a loved one, you should do a bunch of things that they did. And to that, I'm like, they might not love that because if they wanted you to like be doing you or they really emphasize you having a strong sense of self, then they're not going to like you kind of doing a bunch of them things because that might actually like agitate them a little bit because they know that you're being disingenuous or like you're trying to force something. I think that might just be energetically confusing and that may just kind of make you feel dysregulated because you're adopting things that are not really aligned with you. So I would say continue to focus on any healing that you have to do. Do some journaling. I would recommend mindfulness. If you have a question that comes to mind for me around dreaming and kind of hearing messages along that pathway is how well has your sleep hygiene been such that you might just not be able to receive it because you're just not feeling well, you know, chronic illness can impact our ability to just perceive we're so busy just trying to exist (laughs) that kind of picking up on any other ambient anything is just a lot more stimuli than is helpful at times so that could be a factor i think and i also wonder is there anything that you've been stopping doing that has led to maybe this being less available so Let's say you used to have a a powering down kind of ritual where you'd have tea, you journal, maybe you'd pull some cards. I guess I wonder, has any of that kind of slipped away where maybe that helped prime you for being able to have dreams where you feel connected that way? Just a lot of things kind of come up and we can't, I know that, um, Location plays a factor. So if you've been kind of out of your usual element, that could absolutely feel like, oh, I feel disconnected from these memories and these various things. Like I typically don't dream when I'm traveling or when I'm away from a certain place that's comfortable for me. Like I've talked about this on my, at a recent podcast episode where being along my Mars line is great when it's great and it's rough when it's rough. (laughs) It can be pretty unyielding. So I think just kind of doing these little check-ins, doing kind of like a spiritual audit and assessing what has changed about how I'm tending to me could help clarify what's different, what's kind of the same and what you could maybe do differently to kind of be more intentional about picking up on these things or connecting that way. And 
I'm not opposed to just like talking to people that have passed, getting that out there. Sometimes I'll like write it down, like do auto writing and just like word vomit and then I burn it and then I feel like I get some messages that way. So I think allowing yourself to explore may help reinstate the connection that I that it sounds like you're kind of missing or like confused about why it's different. I think some clarity could come through by choosing some of these adventures and seeing what turns up for you. So the second question that we have, my partner and I do horror movie marathons every Halloween. And this year we don't have a theme or anything. I feel like we've been, we've watched everything, but I know that's not true. Any theme or movie recommendations? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tim and I have, have done marathons for October since the pandemic started. So October 2020 is when we really committed to committed to it. I know we kind of went through similar arcs where it's like, I guess we're watching all these random things. <laughs> there are some rewatches. You know, I I think something that helps me discover new horror things is to consume horror-related content that is not necessarily more movies. And that kind of stirs my interest in other movies as, as a result. So for instance, there's a lot of horror shops here in Chicago. So I'll go there and see what are people talking about here, what kind of art is on the walls, and seeing what kind of gets stimulated that way. Or if I'm walking through a bookshop and... This was actually like a goal one year where I walked through the horror sci-fi area and I looked for things that said now a movie, looking for that stamp about like it's just been adapted into a film, a series, a limited series. That way I could do I could do the thing that I did when I was a kid where I committed to reading the book first or the series first and then I watch whatever the thing is. I think that's a great way to kind of kick off a new a new path of exploration when it comes to the genre. I am a fan of like inspirational lists. I know I shared one on my stories recently about, you know, a theme for each day as opposed to a theme for the entire month. That could be a little bit easier to rewatch what you know that you like and go out of your way to find things that slot into what the theme of that day is. And yeah, I think reading is such a core component to what I end up wanting to watch because there's that part of my brain that's like, I've hit the limit for what my imagination can do around this. Now I want to watch it. So I feel like that tends to help me out a great deal is what it is that I'm reading can inform what I want to watch. And Sometimes it goes the opposite way, but I've noticed it mostly goes like what <laughs> once I have spent a lot of time in my own brain, I get very curious about what the director conceives of doing with a property, like with a storyline to make it what it is. And I love seeing that symbolism or metaphors within horror directly played out like visually. I think the other thing that helps me explore a little bit better is 
it's not even about the genre so much as it is I have become fascinated by this actor that I now want to watch everything that they have done up to now to see how they stack up in other films. So that could be another good avenue is picking a director, picking an actor that embodies a certain like aesthetic or whatever that you then could use to build out more of a roster and see what happens from there. And of course, if you don't already subscribe to Shudder, the horror streaming platform, there's so many things on there that I have never seen or heard of before. And I've seen over 300 horror movies at this point. And it's like, wow, there's so much more. And it's so exciting. I think being open to a new platform to explore could be really great if you haven't done that already. Sometimes I think that's really a great way to push yourself as a horror viewer is to then kind of limit where you're watching things from. It kind of forces you to make different choices that otherwise maybe you would have looked over another time. So maybe it isn't like a Hulu month for you in October, if you've gone through like all these like more mainstream films, maybe you go the route of like Tubi and Shutter and really say, okay, we're going to only watch things on the, these platforms. Let's see what comes up or things that we've been putting off watching that we know we're ready for and see what happens from there. So th- those are my initial thoughts around it. All right. I have an idea for a series of paintings that have been percolating in my mind for about a year. I can't seem to pick up the brush. (laughs) Felt, have not painted in forever. The big but is that I don't have the ideal workspace. My apartment is too small. Any guidance from you or the cards and how to get over this blockage? What should I do to get the the brush going? So I did pull a card. I did pull a card for you. And I pulled Divine Feminine, which is the the Empress card in the She-Wolf tarot deck. Divine Feminine speaks to Venus and Taurus. So we're talking very matriarchal, that female archetype, mother, goddess, fertility, that unity, that softness, sensuality. Dear listener, we'll send you a picture of this Divine Feminine card so you can further meditate on it. Because I think it is in and of itself a very evocative image that could be really great for stirring up more ideas in your brain around like, just get this idea going. And, you know, speaking as me, as I continue to think on this, like fellow artist Demi, I personally prefer working larger format as a painter. I love big work. I love spending days and hours on one big piece of watercolor paper and just layering and layering. It feels so deeply spiritual and ritual that way. I It feels like I'm making magic, honestly. I, I think the other thing that I have had to adopt for similar reasons, like how do I get going? I have these big ideas, but I'm stuck, you know, constraints are so good for creativity. So 
I did for a while say, I, I think it was a little Moleskine a watercolor book. I used, I deliberately worked smaller and said, what the hell can I do within these parameters to make something that just feels good? And that ended up being so great for my practice. It felt like I was reinvigorated. It felt like I was approaching the work differently. And I think in terms of the divine feminine, I think the key is that that joy, that playfulness. It's like getting through, getting back to the beauty, looking past plight, what is nurturing? What is, what does it even mean for you? Like, what does it even mean for you to be creative? You know, we, we like to shoo away feminine energy and even the idea of divine masculine, divine feminine can be so, it could be so activating, you know, to talk about these kind of gendered terms, but we have both within us at any given time. And, you know, we get in our in our heads about like, will it be good? Will it be profitable? You know, we're not always going to be productive artists. I think the delay, the I'm stuck and I can't do now, how do I get back to doing? Just letting yourself play the same way that there's icebreakers or there's warm-ups for when you're writing to kind of help shake off your over-analytical brain that wants to judge all of your work before it's actually done. I think the key is to let yourself be tender and allow mistakes to come through. I think another thing that has helped with blockages is to work outside of your traditional medium because then you won't approach it with the same the same hypercritical mindset. I used to be so about acrylic painting for a hot minute and that made me so so particular and I got so like anal retentive about the whole thing. It was a mess. But I felt a lot better once I began to play with watercolor. It has as much of a personality as you do in your art, in your artwork. I think working outside of the medium, even to like sculpting, like something else where you build a form. So using other materials, could be mixed media, it could be clay, it could be a lot of things. Really deliberately going outside of the framework of what you normally play with to kind of get it going could be helpful. But I think the key thing either way is to allow yourself to embody the sensuality, to kind of romanticize the artwork in a way to just like maybe even ritualize showing up to your art form, to your workspace, no matter what it is. Like I know we all want a nice, big, beautiful, well-lit, open studio. Not many of us can afford that, unfortunately. So finding ways to like treat that workspace as a sacred space. If you use that workspace for many things, clear it away of other things, leave it very bare if that allows your creativity to come through or only leave things that you associate with when you have been able to just create.
allowing yourself to do that, maybe light a candle, maybe light some incense or put on a different perfume to kind of, again, to activate that creativity a little bit and just begin. You could do what I've done before, which is literally tear up some pages of larger watercolor paper. So it kind of takes away this mindset of this has to be a perfect piece. I'm like, no, 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 this is a fucked up piece of watercolor paper now. <laughs> like it's crooked. I'm like, did I tear this in the dark? What the hell happened? Like all those things <laughs> come to mind when I'm looking at the paper and I'm like, yeah, this is the fuck around paper. But then I look at it and I'm like, okay, that was fun. I want to do more now. <laughs> I'm itching to do more. So I think creating a new container within your container may help you kind of free up some of the static energy. And along the lines of this next question, my witchcraft needs a revamp. What archetype could inspire me in a new direction or guide a new practice? And I thought about pulling a card for the next question, but I feel like these kind of go hand in hand in many ways. I'm getting kind of a sense that uh, the last two questions, my witchcraft needs a revamp. And could you pull a card for me as a writing prompt, please? And these kind of feel like they go hand in hand. I think part of the part of witchcraft is archetypes. Part of witchcraft is our narrative around how we want to show up as magical beings. Part of our witchcraft is getting to the truth of things. And I think writing about it can further help flesh out the truth of it for you. So I'd like for you to use this card around your witchcraft needing a revamp and kind of that new direction as a way of, of beginning, of basically use this as your writing prompt as well, because I think these two go hand in hand. I shuffled for a long time and I think these are the same thing. <laughs> so that being said, as far as kind of revamping your witchcraft, Queen of Swords has come up for you. The Queen of Swords is all about that perspective, the introspection. Swords are all about truth and honesty, cutting through the bullshit, paring down, being honest. So I think writing may very well be a very core aspect of this new era. So playing with automatic writing could be really great. I love the bibliomancy, like I love picking up a book off a shelf and flipping and seeing, okay, what, what is for me here? And using that and then using that idea to then write, that is an awesome through line. I think there's really, really kind of frenetic imagery within this card as far as the outstretched hand, the sword, the kind of gray blue sky and the very aggressive, the kind of ferocity of the ocean that is so close, but the further part out is still. So I think playing with your perspective a little bit can be helpful that while what is around you may feel a little bit chaotic, how can you look further out to see what is still and pull that closer to you? There could even be some room here to dabble with um, meditating with mirrors, meditating with uh, meditating with like a bowl of water. So scrying. 
I'm getting very much a sense of like your your revamp, getting to the truth of it is like old school magic, like OG stuff. Not none of this TikTok. <laughs> how can you hack your 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 magical practice with these like man made things? I'm getting a sense of like cutting through all of that noise and getting very analog, very old school with your writing, with with your writing, with your magic, these feel hand in hand. So if your typical way has been to use a tablet or to use your laptop to manage your magic or to manage your writing, there's definitely a call to just use good old pen and paper to explore and you could you could romanticize that too again like going back to that deeper like overarching venusian aspect i think it's so great to play with letting yourself use the nice things <laughs> i have so many beautiful journals that i'm like my ideas are stupid i can't put them in this thing it's like no 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 these things are meant for using and hell even if you go to it like when I use this thing, it will make my ideas great because I'll get this one idea out there and this next one will come through because I opened the channel and I allowed myself to express myself. I allowed myself to connect with spirit and make something greater than me with this thing that I think I'm too good for. But in reality, like, no, 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 we deserve each other. So let yourself, like, if you have been eyeing like a leather... <laughs> a leather journal that you're like, ooh, it's witchy as hell. Do it. Do it and actually use it this time. If you, I love fountain pens. Like if you have, you, if you've always wanted like a Lamy fountain pen that kind of scratches a little bit when you write with it, that's a really, that's so sensorial, that feels so luxurious. The, it, it helps trigger something in your brain to that you're doing it like the sound of like tapping keyboard like a typewriter that would do the same thing a lot of the times our keyboards don't really do that it's so removed from ourselves that it creates this disconnect spiritually and from what we're creating so do the neil gaiman thing of sitting in an area where your only option is to be bored or to make something and you will quickly realize that you can entertain yourself by actually making something. So I, I offer that as kind of the, the, the two in one. I feel like your witchcraft and your writing are actually more married to each other than I think you're willing to admit. And I think deliberately, intentionally exploring them will be very, very helpful. So let me know how that goes for you. And with that... Those are all of the questions that we have. And yeah, thank you so much. These were so, so fun. I'm having so much fun doing it. I don't know if you could tell. I just really love questions. And these were really, really good ones. So I hope that they gave you a little bit of what you were looking for, dear listeners. And even if you didn't offer the questions, I hope that they give you some ideas for how to approach what might be percolating in your brains as well. As I, I've often found that even if one person raises their hand and asks the question, 
five other people are like, oh my God, I'm so glad you asked that question because me too. <laughs> or like, I was confused. You were confused. Oh my God, why didn't we say anything? So thank you so much for, for doing the brave thing by asking the question. Thank you all for tuning in to this special first iteration of the Tiger's Eye advice style podcast episode. It was so much fun. And I'll be including in the show notes links to the Patreon and all the other usual things that we have going on here. And of course, if you liked what you heard, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. You could also leave a little voice memos or leave a comment on the episode itself with any impressions or things that you liked. Those also really help the podcast. And of course, the good old Apple podcast reviews. We haven't had a new one in a hot minute. So if you write one and you screenshot and send it to me, I'll give you a free audio reading. You know, just DM me the screenshot before you send it. So then that way it takes a while for, for Apple Podcasts to, to push through a review. So if you write one up, just screenshot it to me before you send it. So then you're not waiting. <laughs> We're not waiting like two weeks for it to come through. And I'll give you a little audio tarot reading that I'll send to you via Instagram. Or if you prefer email, I'll do it via email. But that's all for today, friends. Thank you for tuning in to The Violet Vulture. Bye for now.